turned on. Well, I thought I'd start with a Banksy. Why not? It's a good name, isn't it? If you get tired, learn to rest, not quit. Hands up those of you who've heard of Banksy, the artist that is. I think that's not bad. That's not a bad thing. Not very scriptural, but it's on the way. I want you to think, what does rest mean to you? Okay? So just take a minute and just think, what does rest mean and how... How do you guys rest? How do you rest? Okay. Have a little think. If you want to turn to the person next to you, just have a quick discussion with them. What does it mean to you and how do you rest? Just have a quick chat, then I'll find out what you're thinking. Okay, anyone got any inspiration on how they rest? Kev, because I know you're a really busy person, how do you rest? Uh, <laughs> Maybe I should ask her. In the toilet. <laughs> when no one else is bothering me, that's it. Okay, peace and quiet on the loo, right? Anyone else got that one? No, I think you might be unique there. Rich, you want to tell us how you rest? In my man cave. In your man cave? Oh, anybody else rest in their man cave? Anybody rest in their women cave? Oh, come on then, Joe. How do you rest? Um, probably watching like that, the rubbish on Dave, American Pickers. Ooh, that. Okay. <laughs> watching rubbish TV. Really spiritual leaders. Rachel, you're going to do better. I kind of I I rest by doing something. Rachel rests by doing. <sighs> anybody else want to volunteer? Are they rest? John? By going for a walk on my own. Excellent. That's slightly better than the offers we've had so far. And one more hand over here. I'm coming, I'm coming. Clearly I don't rest by running around. I'll get to you this way, I think. How do you rest? Um, painting. Painting. Not, not painting and decorating, as in pretty painting, like pictures. I did wonder about this morning. I did think about, I was going to set up my turbo trainer on my bike and I was just going to pedal for half an hour or so, because actually that's one of the ways that I rest, is by cycling. But I thought maybe Lycra this morning might have been a bit much for you. So I thought maybe not, I was being kind. So here we have that Banksy. If you get tired, learn to rest, not quit. I suggest that this Banksy right here in front of you has actually got a tad more insight than that, which I'm going to share with you this morning using Hebrews 4. Now... I've been strive, striving to rest probably for about the last 10 years. And to be honest, I'm more successful at it at some times than others. I was actually really pleased when I was given Hebrews 4. I go, yes, fantastic. 
because it's an opportunity for me, it was, to review the subject and give myself a little rest MOT, which I think we need, because I need to work more to rest. I see rest as a spiritual discipline, which actually may not sound very restful at all, might it? If we can have the next PowerPoint slide, please. Rest is a promise. Hebrews 4, I'm going to read just parts of the message, so just, just listen in. <clears throat> for as long then as that promise of resting pulls us onto God's goals for us, we need to be careful we're not disqualified. We received the same promise as those people in the wilderness, but the promise didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promise by faith. If we believe, though, we will experience that state of resting but not if we don't have faith. Those earlier people didn't get to the place of rest because they were disobedient. God keeps renewing the promise and setting the date as today. This is still a live promise. The promise of rest and arrival is still there for God's people. God himself is rest. At the end of the journey, we will surely rest with God. So let's keep at it and eventually arrive at the place of rest, not drop out through disobedience. So do you know what? Rest is a promise. It's a promise from God, and it's his provision. The Israelites didn't enter God's rest, so they wandered round and round and round in the wilderness, but they never actually found rest. But do you know what? The good news for us, God offers us rest. Because rest pulls us into God's presence. It allows us to recenter ourselves on Christ, to refocus and to avoid spiritual tiredness. But rest is an act of obedience. It may be stating the obvious, and we've all heard, haven't we? And we all rest in different ways. For some people, Rest is a quiet evening in. For others, it's going to the loo. For others, it's digging the allotment, listening to music, playing sport, sitting in the sun, doing nothing. For others, if you said you had to sit in the sun and do nothing, that wouldn't be rest, that would be torture. My husband would think that was the worst thing he could possibly have to do. I admit, for a very long time, I thought rest was an absence of work, not going to work and enjoying leisure. Enjoying holidays with the family. I rested by watching cricket. I rest by going for a bike ride. Or sometimes, if I was feeling spiritual, I'd rest by coming to a Sunday service. But do you know what? That's not the meaning of Sabbath rest, is it? And we know that. Gordon MacDonald wrote a book, Ordering Your Private World. And he said, very clearly, that leisure time isn't rest. It's not the same. Because we can be really, really busy, can't we? Doing leisure. But it doesn't bring order to our private world and it doesn't bring us rest. We can go on as many holidays as we like. And believe me, I am trying hard. <laughs> but, do you know what? It doesn't give you rest. You might feel physically more relaxed. But that's what, what this rest is that we're talking about. Hebrews 4 quotes Genesis 2, says, On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. The literal translation is God 
refreshed himself. And that's not the same as leisure, is it? Genesis 1.10, when God looked on his work, he enjoyed its complete appearance. He reflected on his meaning. He saw that it was good. So I just want to whiz through some R's of rest. I believe that rest involves reviewing, looking back, and asking ourselves, what does my daily life mean? What does my work mean? Why did I do this? Who did I do it for? How well was it done? And that doesn't matter what we're doing. God intended our rest to interrupt our work and to give meaning to it so that we know who it's dedicated to. Let me say that again. God intended our rest to interrupt our work, to give it meaning. Rest allows us to recalibrate our spirits, to reflect on what's really central to our lives. Rest isn't blobbing. Sounds nice, but it's not. Rest allows us to return to eternal truths, to hammer back in the nails of our convictions and our commitments that sometimes can become loose. Rest allows us to restore order to our spirits that are prone to drifting. It allows us to return to our fixed centre, to regain our balance. It's also a refreshing of our belief and love for Jesus. Rest is a time when we fine-tune our inner world so that we can navigate through the next week. In rest, we define our intentions. We gain strength and direction for what comes next in our lives. We abide and we are. So rest is a promise. It's also a principle or a pattern of life. Rest is part of the rhythm of life. It's the way God intended us to live. Do you know, when we're busier than God intended, we actually violate ourselves. We lose our balance. We lose our perspective. It goes to pot, doesn't it? We get stressed and we get burnt out. Why? Because we're not following the pattern that God gave us. We're not following the pattern that he gave us for our lives. If you read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which I know lots of you have, I'm a bit slow, which will tell you about me. I haven't actually finished it yet. I kind of read a bit here. I read a bit there. I think about it. I take it on holiday with me. I put it in the beach. And I just read it as I go along. One thing I've learned, and you m some of you may disagree, I am rubbish, and this is going to encourage you and distress some of you, I'm rubbish at reading my Bible and praying every day. Put my hand up. I am not brilliant at it. I never have been. I've tried. I've become trapped in it. I've become enslaved in it. And now I've thought, do you know what? I'm just going to rest and give it over to God. It's not that I don't chat to God. Chat to God. But physically, I am just rubbish at that thing. And I know some people pray and they read their Bible for hours. And do you know what? I actually wish that I could. But I've never got that one sussed. And the more you get yourself in a knot over it, the worse it becomes, and it becomes regimented, and it means nothing. So I've just learned, do you know what? Put that down and say, God, absolutely I love you. Absolutely I want to know more about you. But I'm not going to be bound up by having to do it this, 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 and this way. You have to find 
with God's help, a way that works for you. Okay? doesn't mean that I never read my Bible. It doesn't mean that I never pray. But I've never got it sussed in the way that some people have. Some seasons are easier than others. Some seasons are difficult. But, you know, it's about intentionality for me. And this is what emotionally healthy spirituality... That's a long way of saying why I'm not at the end of the book yet. But I'm nearly at the end of the book, but I'm still not there. Because I like to take my time over it and mull it over. But theologian Robert Barron argued that the heart of original sin is the refusal to accept God's rhythm for us. The essence of being created in God's image is our ability, like God, to stop and rest. When we do this, we touch something deep within us as image bearers of God. We are created and wired by God for the rhythm of resting and working in him. As we learn to accept and live in God's rhythm for us, our lives regain balance. We're able to follow God's design for us. Rest isn't an obligation to fit into our busy schedules, but it's a reset of our inner being, so we focus on God. Okay? Rest isn't an obligation to try and fit into our schedules. It's a reset. Who's had their mobile phones? And when they don't work, what do you do to them? You, you put them back to factory reset, don't you? Yeah, my mobile, I'm just rubbish with technology. But I've had to set, put my phone back to a factory reset a few times. What about us? Do we ever stop, pause, rest, reflect and reset ourselves according to our creator's instructions? Micah 4.4 4 says this. Every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree and no one will make them afraid. I've had a fig tree. In fact, I think Joe and Andre might have eaten figs from my fig tree. It's ever so nice. It sits in the corner in the sun and it gets bigger and bigger. And if I'm not there, people pick the figs, help themselves and eat them. And then I went back two years ago and my fig tree died. I haven't got a fig tree anymore. <laughs> it got very cold in the winter and it died. But what does this verse say? Everyone will sit under their vine and fig tree and no one will make them afraid. So my physical fig tree may have died, but my spiritual fig tree is still there. Because we can think that being fruitful, sitting under our fig tree, metaphorically, and savouring rest, are mutually exclusive. They're saying, well, you can't rest and be fruitful. Maybe we think that we need to get on. We need to work better. We need to work longer. But here is an example Sitting under your fig tree with fruit, resting with an unhurried, unharried life and with fruit to enjoy. Rest according to God's promise and pattern brings fruitfulness. In fact, if we fail to rest, we're being disobedient to God. We're kind of thinking, God can't manage without me. He needs me to do it. If I don't do this, then God's work won't get done. In terms of fruit, may I say, that's a load of rhubarb. Don't overestimate your own importance. I've been there. I'm a really driven person if I'm not careful. And it takes a lot of effort and discipline to rest. But Sabbath rest isn't just about stopping when we've finished a particular piece of work. If I've replied to all my emails, if I've finished writing that report, because our work's never completely done, is it? 
We don't stop and rest because we've finished. We stop and rest because it's time to do so. It's our pattern and our rhythm of life. God can take care of things for a moment without us. We have to step up and trust him with whatever isn't finished. Rest is part of the rhythm of life. All creation is subject to rhythm and seasons. We have spring, autumn, winter, summer. Other parts of the world have wet and dry seasons. But it's embedded in the fabric of nature. And we are part of creation's story. I've become convinced that we need to work from a place of rest rather than rest from work. And that's a big shift, isn't it? It's a big shift to work from rest rather than rest from work. It's one of the life shapes. We haven't done them for a long time. It's one of the discipleship shapes, a semicircle. As we rest and abide, so we grow. And from that restfulness, we work. Then we're fruitful, we're pruned, and background, you go around the semicircle. Most people in our world live in a rhythm where we work and then we rest. But the biblical pattern is the other way around. We work from rest. We bear fruit from resting. Genesis 1, when humans were created on the sixth day, and by implication, the first thing they did was rest on the seventh day. In Psalm 23, we lie down in green pastures before we walk and face our enemies. In John 15, Jesus teaches that if we abide in him, then we will bear fruit. And if you think about it, the Jewish day begins in the evening. In other words, the first thing they do every day is rest and sleep and trust God to run the world when their eyes are closed and then up you get. So the semicircle reminds us to live in this rhythm of rest and work, abiding and fruitfulness, growing and pruning. We're created as human beings, aren't we? Not human doings. And that's the order that God's established. Rest, work. But we put it the wrong way around, the cart before the horse, if you like. We pride ourselves on our strong work ethic. We think it's godly. Working full-time for God. But God designed us to be productive. But we then build our identities around our activities, if we're not very careful. And by doing this, we aren't living in the truth of who God created us to be. We need a biblical framework for a rhythm of life that allows us to be fruitful in balance with rest. Now, I got, bear with me, an email from God this week. Okay? God communicates with us in lots of different ways, doesn't he? And we have to listen and hear. Has anybody else had an email, a physical email, you know, a real one, from God this week? Nope. I've never had one before in my entire life. I've never had an email from God. And as I was scrolling through, oh, you get so many spam emails. I was scrolling through my emails, and one just was there. It says, good news about your identity. Oh, that's interesting. And I opened it. It was from a bank. It says, don't worry, you're safe, you're secure, your identity hasn't been compromised, you haven't been hacked, your credit rating's fine. I thought that's interesting. But you know what really struck me like a ton of bricks was good news about your identity. Because I just needed that reminder. Very kind of the bank to send it to me on behalf of God, I thought, good news about your identity. Because our identity 
is as a child of God. Our identity comes from our covenant relationship with God and not with what we do. So look out for those fantastic emails from God via the bank. And maybe you'll get one pop into your box this week. But it just hit me. Good news about your identity. And go, yes, it's not hacked. It's not compromised. It's secure. Because it's underwritten, not by Lloyd's Bank, but by a covenant that we have with God, creator of heaven and earth. God intended us to pattern our lives after him. And for God, rest is vitally important. It's in the Ten Commandments, isn't it? It's not an option if we're to walk in the lifestyle of a disciple. Now, pursuing and receiving rest, it might sound like a bit of an oxymoron, but we have to strive to enter God's rest. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us make every effort to enter that rest. It sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? We have to strive to rest because it has to be fought for. It has to be intentional. It has to be received and it has to be practiced. We have to seek it until we find it. We have to pursue rest hard. We have to strive to get there. Rest, I suggest, is riches. Rest brings inner peace and assurance that we don't face anything in life bigger than God and the resources that we have in him. We need to strive to choose to rest. So how do we rest then? These are some thoughts that I've had. The first one is actually original. hasn't come out of any book, so it's probably the weakest one of the lot. But I think we rest by receiving the promise of rest by faith. Now, who can remember when they first became a Christian? Yeah? So for me, it was a long time ago. I was 13. And I remember I was actually went to a tent crusade in a park with Hans Kunstra. How old-fashioned is that? And I decided that I wanted to become a Christian. And then I started thinking about it. And I said, God, I want to become a Christian. I want to put my faith in you. I want to move from death to life. You know, all the things that you hear. But I realised that I couldn't make myself do it. Therein lay a bit of a conundrum. Because I thought, I want to have faith, but actually I can't make myself have faith. And it took me a few days to try and really work that out. I thought, God, I want faith. I want to be a Christian. I can't make myself do it. How does this work? And eventually, as I prayed, God gave me the faith and it happened. But you can't make yourself a Christian, can you? You can't make yourself believe. And I don't think you can make yourself rest. I think it's a promise that God's given us that we have to give back to him and say, Lord, just as I can't make myself a Christian, I can't make myself receive the promise of rest. Help me. Does that make sense? So I think we have to say to God, Lord, thank you for the promise of rest. Now help me. Help me to receive it. We need to ask God to help us rest. That, I think, is the absolute baseline of it. And then we go through some of the things I've talked about this morning. We're understanding that rest isn't leisure, but it is resting in God 
It is soaking in his presence as a loved child with your identity secure. It's focusing on God's hand in our lives and seeking to be restored to his image. As we allow God's indwelling power to make contact with our lives, as we bring him into every situation. Periods of physical rest can give us space, but it doesn't generate spiritual and emotional rest. You can be as chilled sitting in a chair as you like, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be resting in God. We need to be intentional. We need to have rhythms. We need to plan and prepare to build times of rest into our diary. Oh, I used to be so good at that, and now I'm not so good at it, and I've realized I need to get better at it again. Daily rest. It only has to be five minutes. And again, as I've already said, I don't get many because I'm not about which time of day it's going to be. It's going to be when it's going to be. And if I get to bed and I haven't done it, I'll do it then. But just during the day, thinking, okay, when's the five minutes when I can just focus? When's the five minutes? That book, Emotional, Emotional Healthy Spirituality, it's great. Just keep it in your bag. You've got five minutes. Get it. It doesn't matter if you go through it ten times. Just intentionally, just having that moment of rest each day, each week. I don't know. And it'll mean different amounts for different people. Some people, a time of rest each week will mean four, five, six hours praying, seeking God. For other people... It might mean an hour not watching a television program, but actually going away and, and just intentionally seeking God. It's just about thinking about this the intentionality. When am I going to rest weekly? And then seasonal rest. You know, once or twice a year, getting away for a couple of days. I like doing it on my own. Not that I don't like you lot, but I, pr- I, re- I rest and I seek God far better on my own than I do with other people. That's very frustrating. I'm very frustrated, aren't I, Rachel? I don't like being with other people when I'm really rested. I like to just be on my own, get rid of you all. And just, I don't know, I like going to someone like the house of the open door on my own. I know some of you like going in groups, and I probably would like that, but actually, it's how you do it. It's what works for you, isn't it? And if you rest with other people, then do that. If you rest on your own, do that, whatever works. So just times of rest, once or twice a year, once a term, if you're in a teacher, whatever, whatever however you're sort of seasons work, but just make sure that once or twice a year there's that intentionality about just a longer period of rest. Decades, and have a period of rest that's a month or two months, but just planning in that times of rest. Acknowledging that rest increases fruitfulness. Now, I cycled from Wolverhampton to Abu Dhabi last year, which is 108 miles all in one go. It was a long way. But even though you're cycling all the time, you're still having periods when you're cycling of resting, aren't you? You still have periods. Sometimes you're having to go up a hill and it's hard work. Other times you're coasting down the other side. But you're still, but you're resting. You have rest stops. And how wonderful. Do you know what I discovered about these cycling rest stops? They all have cake. <laughs> I had to stop six times for cake on the way to Abu Dhabi. For me, that was a chore. Not even little cakes, big fat whopping muffins, donuts. So I stopped on my 105 miles and just rested, little pit stops along the way. And that's what it can be like in our spiritual lives. We can be cycling along, we can be living along for Jesus, and we need to just take a bit of a rest. Maybe that you cycle slower, maybe that you stop for a cake. 
all the spiritual equivalent. I like cake. I'll stick with that. But it's all the time we're going. We're getting somewhere on life's journey. We don't stop completely, do we? But we do pause for rest. And that rest, I couldn't have got to Abu Dhabi if I hadn't stopped six times for cake, let me tell you. I might have managed if I'd only stopped four, but I wouldn't have managed if I hadn't stopped. And on our life's journey, if we don't stop and pause and rest, we're not going to make it in a very good shape at the end. Because God designed us to rest, and it's part of his promise for us. We need to rest by allowing God to come and restore us, to allow his word to do its job. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. I thought this is a strange place to put this bit in. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and joint, sorry, soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And I'd always read that kind of as a standalone. I should know better, really, that the word of God is living and active. But when you put it in the context of rest, that as we rest, as we become still before him, as we listen to his word, that word cuts through us. It's sharper than a surgeon's scalpel. And at times, that can be really challenging and really uncomfortable. But it's doing its work of transformation. As we rest, that's when God's word comes and works and operates on us. If you like, it's God's beauty treatment. And I'd never before put those words about the living and active word of God in the context of rest. But it's when we rest that his word then operates on us. Can we have the worship team come back, please? I want you just to think. I think I've got one more Pat slide, have I? Maybe. Possibly? Yes. I'd like them just to play the song just through Be Still My Soul in You I Rest. And as they do that, I'd like you just to Spend a few minutes thinking, how much time each day, week, month and season do you have times of rest? Do you have a balance of work and rest? And what practical steps can you take from your personal and family schedule so that you have a healthy rhythm and balance of life? So I want you to just, you think about those questions and the worship team are just going to play it through. You've heard what you've heard this morning, but just think, what do I need to do to improve and to enter God's rest? How can I strive to enter God's rest? So just have a time of reflection for a couple of minutes while the guys just, just play it through. Thank you. Amen. I was going to finish by reading the verses from Matthew. Are you tired and worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. And Father, we just pray this morning for every person here that this week we would know your rest. We would rest in you, be refreshed by you and find that place 
of complete rest and wholeness. Amen.